Welcome to the Work in Progress podcast brought to you by Work Nicer. This is the election series, and on today's episode, we're chatting with Brad Field. Let's take a listen. Hey, today, uh, Work in Progress, we are chatting with Brad Field, who's running for mayor. Pretty incredible times right now. We're five days away from the election. I'm sitting with uh, my partner and good friend, Alex, here, owner of Work Nicer. Brad, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Work Nicer. Uh, you know, Alex, maybe you could give Brad a little bit of, uh, you know, background on Work Nicer and why it's Im- this is important leading to the election, A, for Work Nicer, and B, for uh, my association, which is uh, restaurants. Yeah, would love to. Uh, Work Nicer started almost six years ago and has since grown into the number one co-working community in Alberta. And so there's a uh, five or six location, sorry, we call them outposts here in Calgary, one in Edmonton, and that's made up of an awesome community of, of almost a thousand people. And that represents hundreds of small, medium, and large enterprises. And so uh, I'm excited to chat with you today because you obviously have a business background. And similar to Ernie, you know, Ernie clearly is in the hospitality industry, both on the Trolley 5 side and as president of the Alberta Hospitality Association. And lots of people think that we are in the real estate game. And we're not. We don't own real estate. You know, we don't. Yes, we lease it, but that's not our game. We are also in the hospitality industry. And so together, you know, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of companies that we kind of spearhead in a way or lead or people look to us to um, kind of get their voice heard and ask questions of the candidates. And we're really excited to chat. So anyway, I don't know if that helps from an intro perspective, but Brad, why don't you introduce yourself to the people who are listening too? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. And I love the building here. Uh, you know, I love the mix of the old and the new. It's real cool. So uh, yeah, no, Bradfield, uh, 50 years in the city of Calgary, running for mayor. Super excited about that. Election day is coming up October 18th. And uh, yeah, it's been a long, uh, long, hard fought battle. But uh, yeah, super excited and looking forward to the outcome. You know, let, let's get right into it, Brad. I mean, your, your background is business, obviously. And, uh, you know, for a lot of these town halls that I've attended, and, and as we start to talk to a lot of the mayoral candidates, uh, the statement of the city should be run like a business uh, keeps coming up. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's funny the balance. Again, you know, the city is a corporation, $4.4 billion corporation. Mm-hmm. So there's no question that there's aspects that should be looked at, uh, you know, in a way of a business light. So, yeah, we can bring best practices to the city of Calgary from business, uh, but we also have the social aspect too. But I'm proud to wear the the, the business candidate uh, badge on my, sh- on, on my sleeve because uh, I, I think that's what we need now more than ever. And, you know, in, in regards to the, the business aspect of it, from my industry, you know, a lot of the restaurant owners um, right across the city and quite frankly across the province, but especially in the city of Calgary, the commercial property tax. So we've had, you know, high, high commercial property tax that has affected rent in the city, the pandemic now. And uh, coming out of the pandemic, you know, we've been on a almost two year freeze on the commercial property tax. What are your thoughts on the commercial property tax and how is your plan moving forward to uh, better the situation? Well, first of all, recognize that we can't continue to burden uh, non-residential property tax owners. I mean, that's the heart of Calgary, small to medium-sized businesses. And, uh, 
it's been it's been a slug. I mean, let's say you know we've been seven eight years now from twenty four late twenty fourteen to twenty twenty one economic downturn. Now COVID that kicks us in the teeth. And to your point, the hospitality industry has been slaughtered during this. And all the while, we're seeing property tax increases over and over again. And that just cuts into the bottom line. So yeah, there's no question. We you know I've said this since day one. We don't have as much of a revenue issue as we have a spending issue at the city of Calgary. And that's, you know, decades of complacency because we've always had the energy sector to backstop us. And so bad business practices at the city of Calgary has put us in the spot that we're at. So um, let's look at how we spend at the city of Calgary. Maybe we can stop looking at uh, um, the property taxpayers to uh, supplement us year over year. So we're talking about priority-based budgeting, which changes how we look at uh, how we budget in the city of Calgary. And instead of going back to taxpayers, we start with a designated uh, amount of money. And when the money runs out, we stop spending. Uh, right now at the city of Calgary, we continue to look at taxpayers to fund bad operations and bad decisions. So Brad, I, I love what you said there in terms of we, we do not necessarily have a revenue issue. We have a spending issue, right? And I, I get it as a business owner. I get sometimes you just need to do more with what you have. You can't necessarily just bank on cuts and you can't necessarily just hope for more revenue, AKA taxes in the case of a, a city. And so I'd love for you to elaborate, if you can, just a little bit on how do you actually do that, right? I think lots of people love that idea. Like, yeah, of course, that sounds great. Yeah. We don't need more tax and we can just spend less, right? Like, how are you going to do that? And you alluded to it a little bit here in terms of priority-based budgeting, but what does it actually mean, practically speaking, in, in total layman's terms? And, and what, again, to that end, from a practicality perspective, does it actually mean to just not do a project? Right. Yeah, so when I started this commitment to uh, running for mayor in 2021 four years ago fast forward to this year 4.4 billion dollars so we've grown 600 million dollars a year in our spending now politicians and city administration while our population has increased yes i'll give you credit for there so there's a there's a small amount of that but we've continued to grow our city staff you know when i started this 13,000 employees now we're at 16,000 employees so we've continued to grow our overhead um, so when we talk about priority-based budgeting let's go back to how we operate currently right now is we set next year's budget based on last year's spend so if we spent a hundred million dollars last year in a particular department they come this year and they ask for 130 million dollars arm uh, city council and city administration arm wrestle and we settle on 110 million dollars and then city council stands up and says, see, we saved you $20 million. And I'm like, whoa, 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 back the truck up here. Mm. We're $10 million more than what we spent last year. So you haven't saved us anything. So if we look at the way we do that and then convert it to priority base budgeting, we start out with it. Let's, let's pick a number, $4 billion. Let's, let's start with $4 billion through uh, priority based. We take citizen input. We obviously food on the table, uh, roof over your head. We pave the streets. CPS, CFD, all the necessities of life here in the city. Of kind of like sitting at a kitchen table when you're going through the family budget, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Same idea, right? And then when the money runs out, you stop spending. And that includes capital expenditures as well, too. So, you know, you talk about the family table, you know, you put a roof over your head, you pay the mortgage, you know, rent, food on the table, health care, clothing for the kids, all that. And if there's money left over at the end of the week, maybe you go out for pizza and a movie. Yeah. But if you don't have money left over at the end of the week, you don't go out. Well, the city of Calgary, we're still going out for dinner every night when we don't have the money. That's the challenge, right? So let's take a different look at how we approach that. Mm. Thanks for that answer. It's a, it is a neat analogy, the family meeting and the family budget. You know, it's um, 
Yeah. And I assume you, that's probably a similar approach that you've taken to your, your businesses that you've grown over the years. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and again, there's only so much money, right? And you know, Ernie, you've been, you know, struggling in the hospitality industry, you know, what have you not been able to do because you haven't had the revenue to back it up? Same in my business, you know, heavy equipment repair here in the city of Calgary, same challenges. I haven't been able to do some capital expenditures. I haven't been able to uh, hire staff. And in fact, in some cases I've had to lay people off because there's no money to go around. We got to think differently how we do it in the city of Calgary. You know, in in terms of the spending, and you, and obviously, the, I mean, let, let's cut straight to the chase because um, I've done my research too, and and speaking to a lot of managers at the city, do you feel the city is overstaffed right now for the amount of uh, money going out, and nothing coming in? Well, I'll give you two examples: uh, building permits and and property taxes, or not property taxes, uh, licensing and so forth. In 2014, we did approximately four billion dollars in building and development permits here in the city of Calgary. Fast forward to 2018, we're doing half of that, two billion. We mm-hmm. didn't we didn't side shift any employees. We didn't move them to a different department, so we kept the st- same staff count. And yet, it takes three times longer now to get a, a, a development permit than it did in 2014 uh, where, uh, th- that has come up in every town hall yeah. i was at a ward 8 town hall yesterday and the yeah. red tape came up i don't know multiple times which blows me away with the amount of staffing that is at the city and how long it's taking businesses to get uh, off the ground you yeah. know but h- how are you going to approach the unions then like well here's the challenge and i've said this since day one as a vendor i've been a vendor with the city of calgary for 25 years so i've worked with city administration i've worked with uh, great employees within the city of calgary unionized and non-unionized um we have 16,000 really good employees at the city of calgary they come to work every single day wanting to do the right thing and provide value to the citizens of calgary they're not allowed to it's the system that's broken not the people so let's take you know it's not about the unionized and so forth i want to talk about how we can empower those people to do a better job because they have the ideas you know i've sat in meetings with cost saving measures with uh, unionized and non-unionized managers at the city of calgary and they they've been disempowered so let's empower them and make sure we get more bang for our buck because they want their taxpayers too remember city of calgary employees live and work right here in the city of calgary and they pay property they're just as frustrated frustrated as we are. So you're not talking layoffs. You're just talking about better empowering and better organization and that kind of thing. No, I mean, we have to look at everything, of Mm. course, but it's having those meaningful dialogues with everyone at the table and including unionized uh, employees as well. So, you know, are we overstaffed at this point? Yeah, I think there's some challenges there. There's no question. When we, you know, uh, garbage collection, we've privatized garbage uh, garbage collection to 25%. We're private sectored out. So that's a seven-year pilot project. I've never heard of a seven-year pilot project in my life, in the world. I've never heard of it. That's crazy, yeah. And and this is why we're having this conversation because leading into the election with all the platforms that are going on, you know, Alex is getting asked every day by his members. I'm getting asked every day by restaurants and hospitality. You know, this is what we're looking for. Like we talk, so elaborate more on the garbage collection right now. So effective this year, we're uh, contracting out 25% of waste collection in the city of Calgary. Okay, great. So um, makes sense. We're going to try it. Seven-year pilot project, which is crazy. I've never so heard which of would it. be another election term. Exactly. Municipal Almost two. Yeah, yeah. At the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. Um, so I phoned my contacts at Fleet Services because those garbage trucks range from three to five hundred thousand dollars per per truck. I'm like, okay. So what are we doing with twenty-five percent of our fleet? Are you selling it to the private sector contractor that won the bid? Are you leasing it? Uh, are we just going to get? No, we're not selling off any piece of equipment. 
I'm going, okay, so we got 25% less work. You're going to maintain the fleet. You're going to insure it, maintain it. It's going to depreciate in value. That makes no sense to me. Well, we're not changing. Okay, fair enough. Let's phone waste services. I said, what are you doing with 25% of your staff? I'm assuming you're either going to retrain them and shift them to different departments. You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to lay them off? They have 25% less work. No, we're not doing anything. So seven years down the road, we're going to figure it out that we didn't save any money because we didn't change anything at the city of Calgary. So we've wasted all this money. We've hired a private contractor for 25%. Which is going to cost more. Which is going to cost more. And miraculously, they're going to come back and say, see, it didn't work. We're going to go back to the days of old. I'm like, well, no kidding. It wasn't going to work. You didn't change anything. Oh, it's so interesting because on one hand, I hear that where they're going to privatize stuff. I'm like, that's great. I think, you know, a government in a lot of ways should not do, and again, this is just my opinion in, in, in very high level, but a government shouldn't necessarily do something that its citizens can in a lot of ways, right? And... If there was a way to actually do that in a way that saved money and created private sector jobs and additional investment and whatever, that sounds super interesting. But to your point, again, as a business owner, that is super frustrating to hear that you're not reallocating any of that money that you're saving. And so, of course, it's going to cost you more money. Yeah. And in my business, there's no way I could have that luxury, well, right? And, and in addition to that, like on this podcast, who pays for that garbage? Like right. uh, who, who pay? Is it going to be residential? Is it going to be commercial? Yeah, exactly. Well, and I know in my in my commercial business, I have to collect my own garbage. I have to pay waste management to come pick it up. So mm-hmm. I'm paying property taxes supposedly for all these frontline services. I get no benefit at the commercial level. I still have to pay a private sector contractor. Mm. Here's another thing. Uh, downtown revitalization. They just injected $200 million into that discussion, which I'm in support of. So $200 million, like that, that's what I, I love that, into that discussion. Yeah. So where, where is that $200 million going? Yeah, so right 80, $80 million of it is going to Arts Commons expansion, which I'm in support of. Mm-hmm. I think if we're going to talk about downtown revitalization, that's a big part of it. Yeah. But the one line item that no one's talking about that I brought to attention is the 10 million dollar line item to hire more city staff to oversee downtown revitalization Hmm. i'm like so with all the things that aren't going on in the city and with all the cost saving measures that we should be looking at let's add another 10 million dollar line item to hire more city staff we currently have 1100 people working in planning department at city of calgary could we not have taken some of those people, good work, smart people, and moved them into the downtown revitalization program or, or instead of you, hiring more? Could you take that $10 million and put it into, you know, special grants or funds to protect the existing businesses that are here that are yeah. barely hanging on? I'm yeah. not just talking about hospitality. I'm talking about, you know, the fitness industry, yeah. hair industry, like all these small businesses that have that right now have been open for longer than five years paying commercial property right. tax why is is some of that money not being allocated to trying to protect the existing base well and that that brings up a good point we have been so focused over the last four five six years on attracting new business to calgary and i'm not saying that's not important we've taken an eye off the ball and not maintaining or retaining the ones that we have here right look how many businesses have left the city of calgary either through bankruptcy or jurisdictional moves outside the city of calgary because they're so frustrated so yeah you know the osif funds that's a perfect example you know the 100 million dollar osif fund which again i'm in support of but we took the eye off the ball and look how many uh, look how many businesses we've lost over the last six seven eight years because of property taxes not uh, not being able to do business in the city of calgary we've got to remove the regulatory risk here in the city of calgary we have so much red tape it's ridiculous yeah and it's not so much that you're saying get rid of osif it's what else can we do 
right? Why is it that, why are we only seemingly only focused on uh, attracting new versus empowering what's here? Well, exactly. And whether it's a staff in a business or you're starting a new business, it's five times more expensive to bring in new than retain existing. Mm -hmm. And we've all seen that, right? You have to retrain a new staff member. You have to get them up to speed. So why are we not paying attention to the existing businesses that are already here that built Calgary in a lot of cases have been here 30, 40, 50 years? Yeah. And that, that, that's what's so important to our industry and hospitality is, you know, you have these restaurants that have been ingrained in the communities, uh, whether they're running fundraisers or donating to local charities or donating to, you know, the, the youth sports teams that are coming up, they're the ones that are barely hanging on. And, and, you know, what, what's your, what's your plan moving forward for those businesses, you know, in not just your platform, but in the next four to six years. Yeah, well, making sure they have a voice at the table, first of all. There's been a complete disconnect between city council, city administration, and the business community. And mm-hmm. I'm talking right from, you know, small restaurants, dry Lack cleaners, of engagement. Lack of engagement. Yeah. Complete lack of engagement. We've seen evidence of that. They all talk a good story that we're, you know, open to dialogue, but they're not. We've seen it in their actions. You know, property taxes. You know, with my priority-based budgeting idea, I also want to put in a two-year budget freeze while we're implementing that. To so everybody can catch their breath, right? And, and you know, maybe, you know, build up a little strength, maybe put a little bit of money in the in the bank account so they can weather the storm maybe in the future. But yeah, we've got to clear the clear the deck, make sure that there's open dialogue, dialogue, make sure there's meaningful discussion, have everybody at the table. I keep on saying, you know, I want to form councils, like advisory councils. And there, you know, all my can, uh, other candidates that are running against, you, know, you can't do that. You can't possibly have an open door policy. I'm like, Hmm. that's how I've built all my businesses. And when I worked in non-for-profit, like that's what, that's how shit gets done, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is being open to other people's points of view. And isn't that how government's supposed to work? Really? Like <laughs> well, at a fundamental r- r- level? Rumor has it, but uh, I <laughs> don't know if that's, uh, <laughs> that's being done. Uh, you were on 17th, one of your locations on 17th. And, and it, I'm not just focusing on 17th because my business is there, but, and I will talk about the lack of engagement when yeah. I was sitting on the BIA and the construction project came up to tear up the roads, not one business was informed that it was going to be curb to curb. Right. Not one. I sat across the table from uh, the existing alderman at that time, as well as the head of communications for the city. And they were emphatic that every business knew that it was going to be a full closure for up to seven to eight blocks at one time. I said, well, I'm looking at the every newsletter, nothing has gone out. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, none of the businesses knew, so it had to be delayed a year, yeah. right? So how about the vetting and the loss of money that went into engaging you know, the construction companies at that yeah. time while not letting the businesses know or to let it giving them a chance to prepare? Man, I, I, the lack of engagement has is, is, is come up in every single town hall, no uh, not just from businesses, from residents as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so. we have to empower all Calgarians to have a voice and make sure everybody's heard. But, you know, even internal communication, how many times, I mean, we've all seen it in the city of Calgary where we pave a road, it's beautiful brand new pavement, and a month later we're digging it up to put in a, a, a new water main because the two departments didn't talk about, well, that water main was due for replacement. And, you know, and so like the waste of money and uh, the resources around that, but having that public engagement is key from all aspects. So how do you, how do you actually go into a $4.4 billion organization, corporation and find, and actually like, like you as a business, sorry, let me back up. 
So you as a business owner, you can see those inefficiencies in your own organization and you can just, hey, say, do that better, right? Line by line. You know, yeah. you have, like, I get that. You can you can have this, like, very close-knit linear touch. How do you actually do that when it comes to a, an organization like this? Well, first of all, set the tone earlier how we're going to communicate with each other, right? With respect and decorum, not only in council chambers, but right through city administration. Um, yeah, there's going to be some meaningful conversations right out of the get-go because we've been mired down through city administration and city staff. Uh, they have not been empowered. I want to empower them and we have to make changes. But quite frankly, there's some, you know, all the department heads, that'll be some of my first communication is, hey, are you on board for change? Because we need to make changes here. And if they're not, it's not because they're not good people. They've been stuck in bureaucracy as well, right? They've been beaten down. But having those meaningful dialogues and saying, look, hey, you know, Ernie, are you on board for change? And if you're not, let's shake hands. And we'll, you know, party you out and uh, move you on and uh, do it amicably. But uh, we need to move on with someone who's prepared to make change. If you're prepared to make change, welcome aboard. Let's get some, let's get some stuff done. So start with the, you know, discussions first. Get the right people in the right positions that are ready to make change. And then, yeah, I'm going to dive, we're going to dive deep into the books. Start looking line by line. And, uh, you know, that million dollar discussion about uh, cost savings that I had with the city, you know, two and a half, three years ago. And they said, yeah, it's only a million dollars. I said, that's, that's the stuff that's going to matter because every million dollar adds up. So, and, and man, like everything you're talking about here, the line by line, uh, the empowerment, that's a lot of hours. Like what's your expectation going in? If you were to be mayor and your new city council, what's your expectation on hours a week? Like... Is it, is it a Monday to Friday, nine to five? Is it a, is it a Monday through Sunday, seven days, 24 hours a day, you should be accessible. What's your perception there as a business owner that's trying to make the transition into well, politics? Yeah, for me, I mean, I'll only speak to myself. I'm, uh, you know, I guess I'm, a, you know, a, a workaholic, you know, I enjoy my job. I, I find balance though. You know, I, I like spending time with my friends and family, making sure that I find that balance. But yeah, it's going to be long hours. I didn't sign up for, you know, the next eight years, uh, you know, because I'm a term limits guy. I've committed to uh, uh, two terms. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I know it's going to be a slug and, and I'm okay with that, right? Uh, it's important enough to me to commit the time. So 60, 70, 80 hours a week, whatever it is, whatever it takes, seven days a week, I'm there for the city of Calgary. Because Alex and I were talking about this other, the other day, and I think this date is burned in every Calgarian's head is December 23rd, when the mass snowfall hit Calgary. Um, residents out in Panorama Hills, Tuscany, all the way to Chaparral, they couldn't get out of their cul-de-sacs. And when the existing council was asked, why didn't you get the plows on the street? Well, we weren't in session. In other, you know, Seriously? Yeah, we yeah. weren't in session? Yeah, and yeah. for me, you know, for me, it's like, well, as a public servant, should you not be ready to go in the Zoom world seven days a week, yeah. 24 hours a day, especially when the citizens that voted you in need these services? Well, because you know, snow falls only during business hours. You realize that, right? <laughs> right? Come on, Ernie, you can work with me here. Yeah. It's Monday to Friday, you know, nine till five snowfall. That's it. That's all we see in the yeah. city of Calgary. Yeah, yeah there's no question. I mean, but that's building a system, right? And, and again, it's creating a culture where people care. And again, I go back to 16,000 employees. They're good people and they're smart. They're hardworking. They want to do the right thing. The culture and the system is broken, not the people. And we can, we'll figure that out. 
how do you how are you going to fix that culture at city council to be ready to go i mean in my opinion now like if there's one positive that's come out of the pandemic alex and i talk about it all the time is the zoom world yeah. right so if you know you're in maui or wherever you are remember that fiasco but <laughs> wherever you are and you get the 911 on your phone for a 15 minute zoom uh, meeting this city of Calgary is is never been ready to do that they've done it in Banff uh, when they were talking about mask bylaws they've done it in Edmonton they mobilized their council within literally hours to get you know their mandates out yeah. and the city of Calgary is always seems to be this council seems to be very dysfunctional how are you going to fix that yeah there's no question the good news is we're going to see nine at least nine new councillors uh, on council what's just super exciting hopefully they won't bring baggage to the table they won't bring their personal agendas to the table they just want to do what's right for the city of calgary um so that's super exciting and you know i'm that's i guess my strongest asset is is bringing people together and it doesn't mean that we always have to agree and we may even argue and that's fine uh, but we will show respect and decorum within council and making sure everybody has a voice and because i honestly believe the vast majority of people are in the middle they want to talk about collaboration, compromise, and teamwork. Uh, so that's my strength is bringing people together, making sure everybody has a voice. And what happens in the middle is the magic. Mm, I do love that. I think that we are seeing and hearing so much of the polarized and extreme ends of stuff, right? Especially over the course of the past two years, it's never been more evident. And I think that middle-centered, uh, measured approach uh can be magic. I think that's a, yeah. a, a really powerful statement that well, you know, people love to say, but now what are you going to do with it? And I don't mean you. I mean, yeah. it's like, it's people, right? Yeah. Citizens, voters, our peers and friends and family. It's like, yeah. you say that and if, if you think that, then, you know, make that happen. Like it's, it's, it's in your control. Yeah. There's no question. And I mean, we've seen it at all levels of government, not just city council, you know, the dysfunction you ever watch, you know, question period. I mean, it's a, <laughs> and you look and you go and they're yelling at each other. They're, you know, there's nothing good that comes out of question period, but it's a show, right? And you've, we've seen mm -hmm. it on council where they won't have a meaningful dialogue with their fellow council person in chambers, but they're more than happy to tweet about it and trash talk each other on, on social media. I'm going, that's not the real world, right? In the real world, you have an issue, you sit across a boardroom table, you maybe even argue a little, you discuss it, but you treat people with respect. You don't go public on social media with it. Um, so yeah, there's there's a better way of doing it. Um, I, you know, I look at council and it's, you know, it's about sound bites and headlines. You can just see it in how they posture. Even when I sat in council chambers multiple times, you could see as soon as they were on the camera or they knew they were being listened to, you know, they literally physically stood up taller and stuck out their chest you know, like a peacock ready to, you know, mm. ready to get quoted instead of just doing meaningful dialogue and working together. So man, shift gears to the event center. This yeah. is coming up all over the city. What's your thoughts on the event center slash the new rink? Let's, yeah. let's call it what it is yeah. so that, uh, you know, everybody out there is, you know, especially from that 19 to 40 year olds, like they, yeah. you know exactly what we're talking about. What's your thoughts on the event center? Let's get it built. You know, and again, uh, big supporter behind it. Um, it's not about the Calgary Flames. I mean, as much as they're, you know, the, they're the majority of it, but it's about concerts, it's about livelihood, vibrancy in the city of Calgary, um, you know, giving a place for people to congregate and go, right? So let's get it built. Yeah, no question we're disappointed that there's more money being spent. Uh, but, you know, again, it goes back to let's have open dialogue and transparency. That's the other thing I can't believe we're spending, I think, as taxpayers, our contributions, what, 250 dollars 270 uh, 270 million dollars and yet it's this secret 
you know, mm-hmm. discussion. Why are we, why are we not allowed to know when and how it's going to be built? And, and then there, I haven't seen the actual drawings. Have, any, have you guys seen the artist renderings? You know, yeah. I've heard nothing but complaints that we're paying almost we're six hundred million dollars for this new arena event center, and it looks like they designed it from you know a Walmart uh, you know a mall type thing. So I don't, I haven't seen it, but uh, it's yeah, it, yeah I, 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 you're getting it from both sides. You're getting positives on the new rendering and negatives, but I think I think you need to attack this. Let the public know as a as a business owner, how many times do we need to get requoted? Yeah. On, on, yeah, and yeah. that costs the city yeah. money. Yeah. Like how many, so, you know, your perspective on how many times the event center has been requoted. Yeah. And number two is the green line. Yeah. Like where, where are we at there? What's your mindset? Yeah. Into- you know, the green line's another one. I mean, that's the single largest project in, in Calgary's history, right? Mm-hmm. So it's $5.5 billion. Uh, it's shorter now than when we first, you know, talked about it. Um, we've got, you know, we've got the land in the Southeast Lake. I don't know why we're not creating jobs and building that Southeast Lake right now. Like, why are we not shovels in the ground? It was an election issue in 2017, and now it's an election issue four years later, and we're no closer ahead. So um, tunneling under downtown, I th- you know, I've done my research. I went in blind, a little naive, saying, okay, I don't understand. So I went to all the experts and say, hey, just teach me. Give me your story and why. And at the end of it, I concluded that we shouldn't be tunneling uh, under downtown because of the risk and then the risk uh, for creeping budget. Two billion of the five point five billion dollar budget is dedicated just for tunneling under downtown core, mm-hmm. and even the supporters of tunneling say they have no idea what they're getting themselves into once they break ground. So we know that there's going to be budget uh, overruns for sure on the tunneling, and then we'll never see, or it's going to be decades before we see um, uh, LRT north of the river to where that ridership is the most needed. So yeah, I think uh, stop talking about tunneling you know, cover as many Calgarians as possible, uh, you know, get everybody on as, as much as possible, different quadrants, um, then we're on the route. But we got to have good transportation for a world-class city for sure. Love it. Um, Brad, this is all really well thought out from what I can tell. You know, you can apply a lot of the experiences that you've had in your businesses over the years. You launched your campaign. I mean, you said four years ago you were planning on doing this. I think you formally announced around a year or so ago. And so um, when you look at polls, um, you know, the the big question is, is, I guess, is is people going into this, this last week is what really makes the difference. Yeah. Where are you at? Where, yeah. what do you want to, because any, up to 50% of people are still undecided, yeah. right? And so this is not the two horse race that a lot of people want us to believe that it is. Yeah. Um, I love your general comments or thoughts on, on kind of where things are. Cause obviously this also, as much as it's not a two horse race, it's not a 27 horse race either. Right. right? No. There's yeah. a, there's a small group of people here where your vote does matter. You don't have yeah. to necessarily pick from the lesser of two evils, which I'm not saying that's what's happening, but I've heard people well, say I've, that to we've, me. We've right? heard that all week, you and I from over every, and over and over. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that's where, you know, people, uh, instead of voting for what's right or what, you know, the, the best person for their job, they're doing strategics, right? And said, well, better of evils or uh, anything but, you know, type of attitude. And I'm like, well, how about we just put someone in office that you can trust and that you can work with and, you know, bring some skill sets. So yeah, the polls are, you know, wildly inaccurate as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, our internal polling puts me higher than what the, the polls are. Um, but we take back to 2010, right? You know, they again created that two horse race mm-hmm. with Barb Higgins and Rick McIver. 
and I'm pretty sure they're not in the history books of mayor of the city of Calgary. Yeah, because then she was third in the in, in right. well, third and fourth in, in almost every poll. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so, you know, I'm the leading candidate outside of the three councillors. Um, I'm by far, I believe I'm the most qualified. I've have I've got government experience, I've got private sector, I've got not-for-profit. So I believe I'm the most qualified. But at the end of the day, yeah, this this narrative that it's a two-person race is just not accurate as far as most people are concerned. And, and again, 50, upwards of 50% of uh, uh, Calgarians are undecided, which if you're thinking of left and right, you know, Jeremy being on the far right and, and Jody being on the far left, if you're in that uh, mindset, you're already in their camp, mm-hmm. right? You would already be one of the decided voters. Mm-hmm. So that tells me 50% of the vote is looking for something other than that, well, seven, which puts me, right? Yeah, 78% of the population of Calgary wanted a full city council flip prior to COVID, right? Yeah. I think that's like still out there yeah. for everybody, right? Yeah, so for sure. uh, that 50% of undecided is going to be, you know, pretty important moving forward. I, I don't have it at 58. I thought it was like 38% still undecided, but well, talking significant. To, talking to some of the other candidates, I think their internal polling shows yeah, undecided. Bouncing all, every day. Well, it shows yeah. undecided's a lot higher. And also it speaks to, it, it confirms to what you're saying, Brad, in terms of polling i think the stuff that we're seeing in the papers versus internals not just in your campaign but in the campaigns of others would say the same thing and i love what you said about how that 50 percent you're right i i hadn't really thought of it in this context where if you've already decided and you're that convicted especially going into something that is kind of this uh this noisy right if you're that convinced and that convicted going to some this noisy when we're all tired and we all came out of this other election recently then you're right you probably are like that's kind of that might show why there's two people leading at the moment right. and that other half really is probably that that middle group yeah right that that not far left and not far right and uh, it makes a lot of sense and so really it's not just undecided that's going to get split in the exact same way like this undecided can actually uh, not just can will actually make the difference yeah. yeah. And I, I think it's, Brad, it's important for you right now. Giving, we're trying to give you the chance here. Mm-hmm. Youth, like yeah. our 19 to 30 year old talent yeah. um, that we're trying to retain in the city, yeah. what would you have to say to them? What's your plan? Not yeah. vision, yeah, your yeah. plan, like if you yeah. were to get in. Well, and, and for me, it's always been about that. My, uh, my three children, Mitch, Kyle, and Haley, uh, 30, 28, and 22. So when I started this, it was about what's going to make them decide. Calgary is going to be their home, right? At the end of the day and choose to Calgary to be their place. And so I've been engaged with the youth right from the get-go. And uh, so I've committed to uh, a Young Adults 2030 Advisory Council. And that's, we're talking a formal, we're not, mm. you know, we're talking formalized that will have direct access to the mayor's office. Because we keep on, you know, all the candidates keep on talking about the future of Calgary, but not one of them other than me has thought to ask the future of Calgary, i.e. the next generation. So let's have them at the table around what they want for the city of Calgary. And by the way, they want to live in the downtown core. They want to live, work, and play in the downtown core. So you're saying that there's a, you plan on, was it, you said age 20 to 30 advisory council. So that's similar to like an official, you know, council to 
council, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is like the business advisory committee, right? Yeah. I say yeah. so that same kind of yeah. structure. Yeah. Because oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Actually, that's well, awesome. why wouldn't you? Again, like again, you know, I'm a middle-aged, you know, man uh, that's predetermined in my life. I got lots of changes to do. I'm shifting into politics. But you know what? If we're talking about the future, why do we not have these? And, it, and, and uh, these experts, these the, experts, the, the, right? The, the, the Malcolm Gladwell hours of experts from yeah. that age demo, 20 to 30 years yeah. old. And these experts that, quite frankly, might be the, our young entrepreneurs starting yeah. up the next businesses, right? Yeah. And, and what I wanted as a 20-year-old opposed to what they want, totally different things. So my ideas don't aren't relevant. So why don't we have the relevant players at the table? Yeah. 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 I love that. That is so cool. And can and the power of that cannot be understated. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's been the problem with lack of engagement with this city is that um, you have so many of the businesses that are paying A, commercial property tax, B, still paying residential property tax. And the knee-jerk reaction is, well, this is what happens when you have nobody on council that's run a business, right? Yeah, we there's no question. I mean, and, you know, no skin in the game. The, yeah. You know, I, when I listen to uh, uh, their bios when, you know, we're in debate or in forums and, and they talk about all their, you know, business attributes and skill sets, I'm like, not one of them. Not one of them has ever had skin in the game. Not one of them has ever had to make payroll with a credit card, right? Yeah. They have no idea. Their mortgages what it, online. Exactly. Yeah. How many times yeah. have I refinanced my house to yeah. make sure that you know we could grow or while hire employing more staff? while employing people? Exactly, right? yeah. and creating jobs. Not one of them has created a job ever, mm-hmm. ever in their life. They talk. They've worked for other people. They've cashed paychecks. I've signed the front of paychecks. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference. It's a different narrative, I guess, and a different uh, uh, connectivity when you talk about people who have actually done it opposed to people who just talk about it. Yeah. What what about the residents of Calgary? Like what about, what what do you have to say to the residents that, oh, here comes the old white business tycoon to shake things up and I'm trying to have a better life out in my community. What, what do you have to say to them? Well, I'll say this. I've worked in the community. I volunteer in the community for decades before they're ever thinking about going into politics. And I will continue to dedicate my volunteer hours uh, to the community. I teach board governance at the community association level. Yeah. Do I come to the table with some business skill set? For sure. But I also come with a heart and I've been socially, uh, uh, active in the community for decades and I'll continue to do that. And yeah, um, I'm, I'm here for all Calgarians and I'm looking for a career in politics. That's everything is, you know, where you look at the other candidates, they're looking to move their, uh, move their uh, resume, uh, build on their resume and, and build on their career. I'm looking to give back. I'm here for the right reasons. Yeah. You don't have to be doing this. I don't have to be really? doing this. Right? Exactly. You want to be doing this. I want to be passion. doing it. And again, all my decisions as mayor will be made for the right reasons and none of them will have to do with a my career or my position hmm. that's very cool thank you brad we are running out of time yeah um there. before we wrap up brad is there anything that you want to say keep you in mind the people that this is going to get pushed to are those hundreds of businesses in the alberta hospitality association 900 members in your in, association right well, and work nicer yeah yeah and so 900 you know, business members yeah that's it and so it's kind of like you it, it's kind of your people yeah right and so is there anything that you want to say that we haven't covered yet 
Well, and, I, and at the end of the day, yes, I'm 50 years old, plus 50 years old. Uh, but I, you know, I started early in life, entrepreneur. My first business at age 12, bought my first real estate as a teenager. So I get the pain and the anguish of building a business as an entrepreneur. Um, and I've, yeah, I've been I've been blessed with some success, and I'm happy. Uh, you know, I'm happy for it. But you know, again, it's about the future of Calgary, right? You know, it's that next generation that we want to talk to. Make sure you get out and vote on election day. You know, we want your voice so to be heard. Man. So, so important, important right? Yeah. You know, uh, our youth, our next generation is very active. They're very vocal, but typically in the past, they haven't shown up on election day. Well, so I, I, so I, I, I encourage they're going to show up this year. Yeah, because yeah. it's important, right? And they have a voice that matters, you know, with me anyways, for sure. I, you know, that direct access to the mayor's office, that's going to be key. I want to hear from the future of Calgary and uh, I'm super excited about leading the city. That's amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Brad. This has been this has been super fun. Uh, some of my closest friends have been pumping your tires for a while, and as a business owner, I do love the concept of a business owner taking reins in the mayor's office. And uh, your comment about starting your first business when you were twelve, I think I remember sitting there at my printer at home when I was ten years old, making a business card for a business I didn't even know. So that resonates as well pretty and cool so, isn't it it is cool yeah. so um yeah everyone just remember that this is not a two-horse race your vote does matter and make sure that you get out there and do it yeah I, I love that right now i think i think from my perspective and my industry's perspective is we'd love to see a record broken this year of voters getting out and vote for who you feel is the right person uh, that i think that message needs to be really carved out in stone as well uh, Brad, I think just before we sign off, where can people go to get more information or to get in touch with you? VoteBradfield.ca. You can find all, all our social media handles there. Everything's Bradfield YYC for the most part. But VoteBradfield.ca is, uh, is the website. And, uh, and it's right up until Election Day, if you want to connect by phone or by email, I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brad. Thanks, Thanks so much, my man. Thanks for having me.